0: Recorded live.
2: Salam, Shalom, foreign on the record. This is Minister Cedric Benizio, Tribal Judah. And I'm opening up for a third degree this evening. The time now is 8.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7.01 Central. And um, uh, is there anyone on the call this evening? Okay. Well, um, I guess we can get started. Um, I just want to open up with these different things. Um, So today, it seems as though Trump is overturning some affirmative action uh, policies that was set up by or established by um Barack obama this was um uh, about two hours ago this is written by c n n but the um but the um affirmative action issues are in conjunction with um, what is it colleges uh college admissions and um, diversity of of such. So this is an article that was written by Laura Jarrett and Claire Foran from CNN on the 3rd of 2018, um, the month of July. And it says as follows that uh, the Trump administration on Tuesday rescinded a set of Obama-era policies that promoted using race to achieve diversity in schools teeing up new battle lines over admission standards. standards. While the division does not change current U.S. law on affirmative action, it provides a strong illustration on the administration's position on an issue that could take on renewed attention with the departure of Justice Anthony Kennedy from the Supreme Court. And uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions made the official announcement Tuesday afternoon. He stated, Excuse me. He stated that the American people deserve to have their voices heard in a government that is accountable to them. When issuing regulations, federal agencies must abide by constitutional principles and follow the rules set forth by Congress and the President. Sessions said, in previous administrations, however, agencies often tried to impose new rules on the American people without any public notice or comment, period. Simply by sending a letter or posting a guidance document on the website, that's wrong, and it's not good government. Uh, the Education Department did not immediately respond to CNN requests for comment. The move, which was first reported by the Wall Street Journal, comes as the administration has thrown its way behind a student group that accuses Harvard University of discrimi- discriminating against Asian Americans in the admissions process. In a statement to CNN, Harvard spokeswoman Melody Jackson said that it will continue to vigorously defend its rights and that of all colleges and universities, to consider race as one factor among many any college admissions, which has been upheld by the Supreme Court for more than 40 years. Last year, Sessions announced that he was ending the practice of Justice Departments issuing guidance documents that have the effect of adopting new regulatory requirements or amending the law but do not go through the formal rulemaking process. Um, and it goes on. Uh, said that the guidance for Tuesday provided examples of different educational contexts within which the institutions could permissibly consider race and answered questions about how to interpret Supreme Court decisions. Um, it says that Tuesday's reversal does not affect what a school decides to do on its own within the confines of current Supreme Court president, but civil rights groups swiftly swiftly reacted with disappointment. They stated that we condemn the Department of Education's politically motivated attack on affirmative action and deliberate attempt to discourage colleges and universities from pursuing racial diversity at our nation's colleges and universities, said Kirsten Clark, president and executive director of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights under law. The rescission of this guidance does not overrule 40 years of precedence that affirms the constitutionality of a university's limited use of race in college admissions. This this most recent decision by the Department of Education is wholly consistent with the administration's unwavering hostility towards diversity in the schools. Um, It goes on to speak more about affirmative action and, you know, stated that affirmative action action has proven to be uh, one of the most effective ways to create diverse and inclusive classrooms. But by telling schools and universities that they should not use affirmative action to achieve inclusive classrooms, um Department of Education has failed again, uh, failed the students again. Um, of course, they're talking also about the nomination of a new uh, United States Supreme Court um Yeah, he's talking about a new um a new nomination um to fill Anthony Kennedy's seat. I guess who will declare that affirmative action is unconstitutional in the class. Um, yeah, and you can find again, you can find that article at cnn.com. It was written by Laura Jarrett and Claire Foran. Uh Jarrett's last name is J A R. R e t t and Claire's last name is Flourin F o r a n. Um, Is there anyone online who'd like to comment on that? Because there's some things I I could possibly say about that, but I'd wait to kind of get someone's um, insight about it. Is there anyone on?
1: There's no one there. Okay, Um,
2: what I'd probably say is that – what I would probably say and think is that um, for the most part, I I see what may possibly be going on um, where uh, – Oh, Shalom, brother. Uh, How long have you been on? Did you just get on?
0: Yes, sir. I joined late.
2: Okay. I thought I was about to go crazy because I was like, I know I got the right number. (laughs) Um, I was, uh, because it was dead silent. Um, I was just reading this article, brother, and I want you to tell me what you think about it. It was uh, in regards to, a reversal of this affirmative action in uh, colleges and university that was uh, um, um, issued by President Trump, and a lot of a lot of the initiatives were made uh, during the Obama and, um, administration. And what Trump wanted to do because he considered affirmative action unconstitutional. Stating that basically no school should have to feel the pressure of uh, um, using race to uh, diversify the classroom, and um, of course it created some backlash for from you know civil rights, uh, you know um, front runners, I guess you want to call them that, because uh, they wanted to say that you know the Department of Education is you know taking away the university's right to make the the schools more diversified. Um, So I kind of want your thoughts about that in terms of the climate that quote-unquote African Americans are experiencing during the the Trump administration right now because we see a lot of, you know, I guess you can say, white folks who are expressing that, you know, they don't really want to be around uh, black people. Um, and there's a lot of black people who feel like, you know, ever since the Trump administration, whites are a little bit more racist <laughs> uh, than usual. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to know what your feedback was, brother, in regards to that. And, by the way, this is an article that I just read off of CNN. Um Laura Jarrett was Laura Jarrett and Jane Foran, I think that's her name, um, or Janet Foran. Let me make sure that's her name. They were the um, authors of the article.
0: So, what's your insight, brother? That's long. Well, I mean, it's a number of different angles that you can use with this, but. I mean, I guess the first thing is is with respect to um, affirmative action. Affirmative action is it, it is necessary from the standpoint that you have a group of um, said minorities, and I'm not just talking about Negroes, but you have a group of said minorities in this um, United States corporation jurisdiction, and, and keeping in line with um, – you know, from from a religious standpoint, and keeping in line with uh, what the revived Roman Empire has done from a religious standpoint, the the child corporations have to fall in line with that. So the reason I'm bringing it up is that there has to be a universality. You know, um, Catholicism pretends to be a universal religion. Um, they pretend to incorporate a number of different flavors of religion, those are where the denominations come from, and so even when you look at it, you know, from a standpoint of this quote-unquote melting pot that has kind of come down through the ages, melting pot being a, um, I guess, a a modern-day characterization of what we have referred to as the mechanism behind amalgamation and mixed multitudes, yeah, you, you can't really... Um, you 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 can't really hit the mark from a standpoint of u- universality when you have these minority groups that are marginalized. And so right. to a um I would say to a great degree it's, it's it's very um important that while you're dealing with these bodies of people that are quote-unquote, asleep, that they still have a, a means to sort of uh, perpetuate their posterity until such time as they wake up to um, self-government and being able to, you know, really um, handle their own affairs. So the funny thing is, is with Trump, man, I mean, I just stopped. <laughs> At one point in time, I was really um, taking – of giving uh, more of a regard to some of the things that he says, because because some of the stuff he says, I I actually kind of agree with. But what really has kind of turned me off to him is that he speaks with a forked tongue, and right. he'll say something, um, he'll say something one day, and it don't it doesn't even take a day; it'll be in the same damn day, he'll completely reverse it, or he'll say something that is completely contradictory. And so it makes it really makes it seem like um he, he's not of sound mind. And the thing is is that you can't um you can't champion the causes of one nationality. Like like you'll have he'll have an argument where he'll say, Okay, well, you know, there shouldn't be any regard given to uh, race creed religion or what have you but then in another argument he'll do exactly what he said shouldn't be done so it's like i mean come on man you you can't have your cake and eat it too you can't have it both ways and me me personally i feel as though affirmative action is necessary at, in in lieu of not not and let me let me um let me qualify this when I think when I say affirmative action, I'm not talking about quote unquote equality or quote unquote equity because affirmative action does not give you that. You're never going to have equity unless you're operating in your own jurisdiction. Gotcha. So, but but the thing is, is that you can't deny these individuals um, the ability to be able to provide for themselves until, while they're in your care. You know, while they're you know, under your um, trusteeship. You can't do that. And so I think that affirmative action is, is a means to sort of, you know, open up to some degree um, a, a, a path to uh, sustenance under the imperfect status that is enjoyed by those individuals that take advantage of that particular public policy. So to me, again, I, I, in short, I think it's necessary until such time as, uh, you know, those those people that are uh, subject to that policy wake up and say, you know what, we can do better for ourselves. Um, so that, so that, that's my take on that. Are uh, you? Yeah. Okay. And I, I, can, I can say I agree. I'd have to say I agree. I guess
2: I looked at it from the perspective of, you know, we're, you know, in a situation where now it's – I'm thinking that everybody should by now understand that, you know, we're, we're kind of like prisoners in the land that is not our own and that we kind of just – we have to kind of just wake up and realize that that we need our own. So just kind of cut everything off and then we just, you know – presume the course of trying to get our own and not understand that not everybody is there yet. And I have to kinda of remember that, of course, because that's the reality that I live that's the the reality that I'm seeing every day. So you are correct that there needs to be some type of there needs to be some type of um principle established where those who can't necessarily take care of themselves can be, you know, you know, can have some type of maintenance or some type of uh, way to take care of themselves or sharpen their, you know, sharpen their minds so that they can be prepared to do for themselves. Because if you just say that, okay, well, I don't agree with affirmative action in colleges and then a school just decides that they want to just have all white, quote-unquote, white children there, And white, you know, and black kids are, black kids or Mexican kids or Latino kids are just subject to just not being in schools, which would create this sort of idleness where then now all of a sudden they start committing crimes and then you get shunned into, you know, shunned into, shunned for living the life of someone who is oppressed or someone who is poor or somebody who just can't, you know, can't get ahead, but it wouldn't be that way if we, you know, didn't have somebody telling us that we can't, you know, help you make your way. So I understand to the degree that you just basically, I I understand the point of view that you just gave because it makes sense. You want to basically give somebody who's not in the mindset to take care of himself the tools he needs to take care of himself. Like Minister Priest would always tell us, only, a, you know, this this government will be a fool to, you know, give uh, land or possession of land to people who can't even take care of their homes and a state, exactly. you know, on which they're currently in. And exactly. to be honest, I see that to be true because I live around people who just don't appreciate or value what it is that they have. And they want more. They constantly want more. They want better housing, and then they don't take care of that and things like that. But that's besides the point. The point is I understand exactly what you mean because we're living in now. Everybody doesn't understand that we're in this corrupt, you know, we're in this corrupt society and that we all need to move out at one time, which doesn't really make sense because everybody may not be ready to be unplugged. So... I understand what you're saying, brother, and, and it does make sense. I don't think he probably thought it through because I think he's so caught up in I want to make America great again. I want to help those businesses. who I want to help those who have businesses and who have, you know, uh, who have money to better their communities and things like that. And I want to give them more opportunity to rise. But then, again, you in turn end up marginalizing society. Marginalizing the society that you have now, and what ends up happening is your all capital end up failing because now you don't even have that extra. You don't even have the extra revenue coming in. You know, from those marginalized communities, you may have it coming in some degree. But if you take something like uh, affirmative action out of the schools, um, take it out of you know, common society. You're gonna create a situation where the people who don't necessarily know how to take themselves, take care of themselves, right now, they're gonna see no, no light at the end of the tunnel, and now all of a sudden they just got to turn to a life of crime because they don't know how to do better for themselves, um, to a certain degree. But I understand what you're saying, brother. Is, is there anybody? Is there anything else you'd like to add to that, or is there anybody else who'd like to comment? I get the floor.
0: So I'll just say, like, um, you gotta look at it like this, um, as well. This is a corollary to that. So, even within tribes, if you think about it, we have our own, to some degree. If we don't call it affirmative action, but it is sort of the same principle. It's sort of the same principle. Because mm-hmm. what affirmative action really is is it's is, is, it's a stair step on a staircase to becoming a functional, productive member of their society. Right. Well, if you if you think about it, that is the same thing that the degrees are designed to do, in, within tribes. And even if, and and even as an addition to that, we have an asylum where we can take people in. Ba- just based off of uh, nationality, they might not be raised to be able to apply government law and commerce. But we essentially hold them in a, in a, basically a, a retention pond, or we keep them on the front porch until such time as they're cleaned up and and uh, and fit to enter into the, the the inner temple, so to speak. It's the same concept, and so I would say. You know, even with respect to what they're really making a mistake is, is that at the end of the day, it goes back to public versus private. you got to know the difference between public and private. And so mm-hmm. you can say that this stuff is racist or what have you, but at the end of the day, it, you know, I don't like using that term because it always elicits an emotional response. It's kind of like it's one of those words where people, if they throw it out there, they know the response they're going to get. So that's the reason right. they throw it down. That's like a psychological tool, so to speak. But here's the thing: the only issue that really should be raised at this point is, are you doing this in a public or, pri- or private? So if you have a, a private agreement that governs and spells out the terms and conditions that you know we only dealing with a certain quote unquote race or certain nationality, yeah, I mean you got your ability to, to do that. You know, you're, you're right. you got a quote unquote constitutional right to do that. The problem lies is. When you try to bring that out into the public, which is supposed to be universal, right? Because I, I it, now you know understand. Yeah. So right. I, I That's what all I wanted to add, brother. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I
0: don't think maybe he.
2: I don't think he thought about the long-term effects. I think he, because it sounds good right now, and I think he's trying to please so many of those. Uh, it sounds like he's trying to please too many white uh white owned businesses because he knows that a lot of them support his campaign, maybe, and maybe it sounds good right now, maybe you know he you know looking like, okay, well, I just do this right now, but I think the long term effect is definitely negative um considering the fact that when you look at a lot of these universities, a lot of them are you know a lot of them are public. And um, I mean, you try to have a lot of these universities enforce this idea where you're telling them that no, we just um, we don't want to have our school with this uh, percent of black people because we don't want to bring down the value of our school. Much much less different than how they would do with a. Uh, <laughs> Home association, nonetheless, we don't want to bring down the value of our school, or we don't want to. Um, we want uh, to have smart people here in a way they still, you know, marginalized. Um, it's gonna, um, in itself, is gonna create some type of diversity uh, for the people who are already in the school and the people who can't get in the school. The school is already. I mean, it's gonna cross some constitutional borders so you tell somebody, you know, that they don't have the right to an education. Um, and you tell them that they don't have a right to an education at your school because your school, um, has by way of Trump that we don't have to, we don't have to choose to let you in because of race and things like that. I mean, I don't know if you really thought about it. um, I'm hoping that he reconsiders it. Nine times out of ten, he probably will. He did it the other. He did it a couple of weeks ago with the um, uh, with the immigration uh, the immigration bill or whatever it was that he passed, where the children and the parents were split up, and um, uh, was it the uh, zero tolerance policy and all of that stuff? He overturned it. And, well, he overturned the policy and then he, you know, I guess you could say uh, reinstalled it or commissioned it again. And I'm thinking to myself, it speaks to what you said earlier. He speaks with a forty tongue. You know, he says one thing and he, do another, he does another. Um, seems like the only person he actually keeps his word with is Israel. But nonetheless, um, anybody have any... Thing else that they want to share for and on the record, just state your name, please. I'm not aware who's all going, by the way.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Well, for the most part, I know that um in the news I've been seeing, you know, stuff about uh this whole antitrust law and stuff like that. I'm not necessarily uh, big on that. Is I mean, I'm not uh, I guess you could say I'm not too fond on it. I am going to um, keep my eyes on it because I know that um, um, not too long ago, uh, what is it? Disney is supposed to be contracting with. Uh, con- or they're supposed to be trying to buy Fox, but Congress told uh, Disney that if they want to buy Fox, they have to settle. They have to sell uh some of their sports um I guess you could say sports networks, sports networks or ownership of their sports networks um so that I guess you can say they don't create like this monopoly or things like that. That's the only way that they can buy Fox. But um I just wanna uh to put that on the record because I know that um we talk about government all the time and You know, I guess you can say for the longest of time, especially in this country, you saw where um, a lot of companies like uh, uh, General Electric, uh, the railroad companies and things like that, they started to create like monopolies over, over, you know, smaller companies and things like that. And the government, uh, due to trying to, I guess you can say, keep this, uh, what you want to call it, a fair playing field. They wanted to try to cut down on, uh, uh, I guess you could say, the monopolization of America by trying to keep these larger companies from uh, overtaking the, the smaller companies here in America. And today, we have that still happening. Where a lot of um these smaller companies or a lot of the major companies like Disney and um I guess you can say whatever uh, other co- company that's monopolizing right now, they seem to have a stronghold when it comes to commerce in this country, and they can you know they're buying up all these, buying up all these other different countries i mean companies and things like that um But I guess you could say with the antitrust laws, the government is trying to say we won't allow someone, we won't allow a company or corporation to become bigger than, you know, than they already are for fear that maybe that company or corporations or a group of corporations can then buy out the government, which I'm sure that, probably can happen, or what have you. But I'm going to follow more on that because there was this article from Box that talked about how the Supreme Court just quietly gutted the antitrust law. Um, they basically talked about... Um, Uh, talk about how the American how American Express will make it easier for big tech companies to pressure workers, suppliers, and customers. And it was uh, saying that the decision was overshadowed by another blockbuster case and the announcement of Justice Anthony Kennedy's retirement. Um, but the Supreme Court last week, they delivered the most significant antitrust option by the court in more than a decade. Said that it made it more difficult for the government to rein in on certain companies that abuse their market power. Um, and this, uh, the case that they're speaking about, that you know, gave the option, so to speak, was Ohio versus American Express. Um, basically, it talked about, um, said that the court dealt a huge blow to the ability of government and private plaintiffs to enforce. Existing antitrust laws making it easier for dominant firms, especially those in the tech sector, to abuse their market power power with impunity. Um, And it talks about, um, says that uh, the case acts whether certain restrictions of American Express places on merchants violated the Sherman Act, which prohibits certain monopolistic behavior. Um American Express, like other credit card companies, they provide services both to merchants and to car holders. Um, it mediates transactions between them. It um, says that American Express has contractually forbidden merchants from encouraging car holders to use its competitor's cards. So even though the fees charged to merchants by American Express are higher than those charged by Discover Card, for example, uh, Amex, for American Express banned merchants from advertising that fact or doing anything that could steer customers towards Discover. The parts of the contract that impose these restrictions are known as the anti steering provisions. Um yeah, the name of this article is the Supreme Court just quietly gutted antitrust law and the writer is Lena Ton, that's K A K H A N and this is written july third, twenty eighteen at nine forty AM. Um and the website is Vox V O X dot com. You can read more about it there. Um but as I said before, um, the antitrust laws are basically in a, I guess you could say in a subtle way try to tries to keep companies from uh, monopolizing over other companies, um, and I guess you could say uh, keep these uh, big corporations in check, so to speak. And almost kind of makes me feel like they keep them in check because they don't want to be bigger than government. But um, when you see something like American Express enfor- enforcing, you know, their uh, clients to not. Advertise, was it?
1: I want to make sure I read it correctly. Uh, Where is it? I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, uh, basically, um, American Express prohibited their their uh, clients from using. their competitors' cards. <laughs> Man, that's insane, but that just goes to show you the world that we live in right now, um, where corporations are the ones who make the decisions in America. But anyway, is there anyone else who has anything else that they want to share? Just state your name,
1: phone, on the record. Um, Brother Robert, are you here? I know he stated that he was going to be a little bit late. Okay. What about you, Brother Hakeem? Are you there? Do you have anything that you want to share? Okay. Okay. I have to figure out where everybody is. (laughs)
2: Um... I uh, wanted to share this uh, little piece of information that I found yesterday. I thought it was pretty interesting considering the fact that uh, tribes is an an ecclesiastical society and much of what we learn is pretty much law. And uh, last night I was up doing some studying because that's almost the best time to study. And uh, I was reading the Black Law Dictionary and um, I saw this word um, talking about baritry. And uh, it's basically like when a person perverts justice and, um, you can pervert justice in many ways, like accepting uh, when a judge accepts a bribe um, and they, you know, accept the bribe uh, in exchange for granting a certain, uh, granting that bribing plaintiff uh, to uh, uh, a judgment that might have not necessarily been granted to him anyway. But, there was a word in there called um, uh, barator or I think it's barator or something, barator, B-A-R, let me make sure I look up this word, say it the right way. And I'm going to explain why I thought this was pretty interesting, why this even came up. I want to make sure that I say this the right
1: way. That we're still looking. You're
2: still looking for that word. That's crazy. Okay. All right. I'm almost there. Okay, the word is bar B-A-R-R-E-T-O-R, B-A-R-R-E-C-O-R. And you can also um uh, that word is also coincided with the word baritry, B-A-R-R-E-T-R-Y. And what that word actually means is in criminal law, a barator is a person who's a common mover or exciter or maintainer of suits and quarrels either in courts or elsewhere in the country, a disturber of the peace who spreads false rumors in colonies whereby discord and disquiet may grow among neighbors. Uh they also have what they call a common barator, uh one or barator, one who frequently excites and stirs up groundless suits and quarrels, either at law or otherwise. And um the same could be said about the act of baratry, which is the act or offense of a barator, usually called common baratry, the offense of frequently exciting and stirring up suits and quarrels, either at law or otherwise. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because when I saw the word, um, I instantaneously uh, remember the guy Barabbas, B A uh, R A B B A S, and that was the guy who, um, who in exchange for Yeshua. Um, the guy who they set free at uh who Pontius Pilate set free in exchange for um Jesus or Yeshua being brought to quote unquote justice. <laughs> and um Barabbas was one of those persons who was considered to be a mover of sedition amongst the People of uh, Judea um, during the trial of Yeshua, and when I saw the word uh, barator or baratory, I thought of Barabbas because he was a mover of seditious. and I'm also thinking about these people who were still trying to bring Yeshua to bring Yeshua to uh, trial. Uh, I'm assuming most of these people were part of the Sanhedrin. Or they were part of the they were the Pharisees, the group of Pharisees who really felt like Yeshua was a threat to them. So maybe Barabbas was one of those. Um, as a matter of fact, when I look up the when I looked up the name Barabbas, I uh, there was a book. I forgot the name of the book. I should have remembered it, considering that I was going to get on the call and talk about it. That. Stated he was an alderman, and I'm not necessarily sure of uh, what the di- you know what the difference between alderman was back then and is today. But nonetheless, it stated that he was an alderman, um, and I was like, this this man Yeshua's story is so complex. But that's besides the point, I, I'm bringing all of this up tonight because. When I saw those two, when I saw that word in the Black Law Dictionary and I remember Barabbas, I couldn't think but how much the, the Law Dictionary um, complements the scriptures in such a way where if you look up any word or if you look at almost all the words in the Law Dictionary, if you put them in, you know, context within the scriptures, it pretty much breaks down this book where it becomes more than a a, a codex or um, a book of what people call fairy tales. Like this is a very in-depth book. A lot of people felt like they need to translate it in Hebrew to get a deeper meaning, but it's so crazy because I feel like if you translate it in Hebrew and you and you play around with the way that the words in Hebrew formulate each other, you still come to the conclusions of there's government law and commerce. So, I'm you know, I'm always a stickler of just read it in English, and I'm pretty sure that you'll find a way to make the Bible say what you need it to say. Or it's going to say what it needs you to hear in such a way. So um, I wanted to share that um, as a way for us to understand how, uh, how in tuned the people who we call Romans are with these scriptures. They're very in tune with it. From the, the the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelations, they pretty much are in tune with, in terms of they understand it um, to a point to where they, they feel like they can pervert it because they understand it. um. And they're just kind of like waiting on judgment, nonetheless. But uh, I just want to put that on the record. Is there anyone here that has any other topics that they would like to share? Just state your name for on, on the record.
1: Okay.
2: I wonder where Brother Hakeem is tonight, 'cause he usually doesn't he usually doesn't miss uh third degree. I'm trying to hang around as long as I can for Brother Robert because I know he's supposed to be coming in soon. Um, anything, uh any new developments uh from you, Brother Lynn, Minister Lynn? Uh any um anything interesting going on in Florida that we might not you know, necessarily know about.
0: Yeah, nothing uh, Nothing that I know of at this time, brother. I think everybody um, is sort of tuned into the World Cup over the last couple of weeks. I know I'm getting tired of getting tweets for the play-by-plays, but, um, you know, for the most part, it's pretty much business as usual.
2: Uh, you know what I knew it was I meant to bring up? Are you familiar with Cynthia McKinney, brother? Oh, very much so. I am okay. Um, I, and I may have mentioned a uh, time or two that I've actually met her in person. I shook her hand. Uh, she came to she came to uh, Savannah State one time, and she did. Uh, um. She basically did like. A, I wouldn't know necessarily what to call it, but I know she spoke to uh an auditorium of students. Now, before I even met this lady, there were some negative things that were said by her, by the teachers. So when I went in there and I listened to – well, before I even met her, I already knew that if a teacher had something negative to say about her, this lady must be off the chain. Like, she must be that type of person where she knows some stuff and they just kind of shut her out because they feel like her message – was contrary to what they've been taught about politics. And by the way, what was stated by her was actually said by a uh by um a black teacher. So a quote unquote black teacher. Uh it was a sister. And uh she was saying that Cynthia McKinney was one who she's sharp, but she said some things about the government that was not necessarily true. And I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, Cool. Well, i just have to find out for myself. But I met her. She came to the school, and she talked to us, and she mentioned the COINTELPRO, which I was so shocked that, you know, at the time when I was in the auditorium, she asked anybody if they heard of COINTELPRO, and nobody shaped their hands. So I stood up, and I, and I raised my hand because I, I knew what she was talking about, and I asked her about uh, what she thought about the uh, destabilization of the black population and them making a black messiah, so to speak, and she gave her thoughts on it. And um, I shook her hand when she came to, uh, inside the uh, student uh, gallery. We she met everyone in the student gallery. It wasn't like wasn't like a huge gathering, but it was a group of students uh, uh, who I didn't even know were into like. You know the Moors and the Hebrews and all kinds of stuff like that. I was looking at these folks like, "Yo, I sat cross, I sat for across from you in class, and you never said these things. How come we never had these conversations?" And um, but I gave her a card. Um, I, at the time when Brother Priest had gave us those little cards when we were in Detroit with our names and stuff on it, our business cards. I gave her one. Of course, she probably never reached out, but. Um, I'm bringing her up because I watched a video that she had recently – or an interview that she had recently done with this guy. I I can't recall what his name is, but she said some really interesting things. She talked about how government was fake and it was scripted, and there was one particular part of the video where she talks about how there was this – they were having this hearing, quote-unquote, and you had the speaker – of the hearing I think that's what you want to call it the hearing but you said that the guy was the speaker and then they had this board of people of who who were being heard i'm assuming that she said that she was on the board because she stated that she was there well she said that what she ended up witnessing was you had the speaker berating the uh, the the person being heard or one of the board members or whoever, and she said when the cameras turned off, you see the speaker and the person who was getting, you know, yelled at. So they just walked out. They walked out of the hearing smiling and laughed, and she was just so confused. She was just so confused. Um, and they kind of just... Brought to my mind how, and, and I would have to take her word for it on certain different things only because I've, you know, I've never been to, in Congress. I don't know exactly what they do. um, But uh, she said some really interesting things. I'd have to, when I get a chance, brother, I'll send you the video. I think the video is in like 12 minutes long. The, the interview is like 12 minutes long. She also talked about um, uh, 9-11 and the 2008 uh quote unquote banking crisis and the new owners of America and um their relationship with president trump trump and his relationship with the owners of russia um and she was talking about these owners of both of the United States of America as well as Russia and um how after the the United States banking crisis that the uh Forbes was it Forbes um 400 or whatever it is that's what they call it Forbes 500 or whatever uh wealthiest people came out that the 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 people who were the top owners of those 500 people at the time, they changed after the crisis. Um, and I am and I was still trying to figure out exactly what they necessarily had to do with our government, but I think what she was speaking about is how those uh, top people who were uh, within the Forbes 500 list were um how they had their hands in the back of every um politician in the United States after two thousand and eight. Um, and she said you could see the same thing based off of what happened in Russia when um I guess they went bankrupt and, you know, they were selling, you know, selling the they liquidated everything and they were trying to sell everything. Uh, Of course, the people who were part of those municipalities and who lived in the areas of which was being sold couldn't afford it. So the big corporations, they bought out everything. And so that's what created what they call the oligarchs. And I guess she was by talking about Russia, because she mentioned that if you want to understand what's going on with the United States today, you'd have to look at the, history of Russia, and their oligarchy. And I I guess by, you know, throwing that out there, I guess she was insinuating how uh, America has somewhat become an oligarchy. Um, Of course, I'm going to still look into that, but I'm just throwing it out there because uh, that sister is very sharp. (laughs) And um, I kind of been following her ever since I met her. Um, because she's always throwing some very interesting stuff out there. Like the one time she revealed how everyone who was uh, in Congress had to sign some type of uh, oath or allegiance to Israel. Um, And she mentioned this guy named Gus, Gus, Gus Smith or Gus something. I can't remember his name uh she mentioned how um, uh how the Jewish bankers um were uh how they infiltrated the uh, how they infiltrated Congress and things like that. She she's always mentioning something, but I wanted uh to know if you've ever met her brother and that was the reason why I had brought her up. But um yeah, I'm gonna send you that video of the interview that she did. It was very insightful, and um, I guess it could kind of help us to understand probably a little bit as to why Trump does some of the things that he does. Because, um, like you said, he's very here and there and wishy-washy with what he with his motives and uh, everything that he says about to do. But um. Again, I'm going to open up the floor for um, uh, any um, any more topics.
1: Just state your name for a record. Okay, I got one more topic.
2: I <laughs> think this will be good. Cool. For the, I think I'll be good for the night. A um, couple of days ago, I uh, was on YouTube. Hopefully I can be heard. I was on YouTube, and there was this guy, he was talking about uh, a different way to buy uh, land. And uh, he was talking about uh, buying land through associations. Or associations. And when he's talking about associations, he would talk about homeowners, so homeowner associations. Um, he was talking about how he um, was going through a list of these motivated sellers, and he found that most of the motivated sellers were in homeowner associations, and um, most of them were looking to sell their land dirt cheap. So he was looking to buy some land, and I can't remember the square mi- the square miles of the, or the square foot of the the piece of land that he was uh, um, attempting to buy, but. He had the conversation with whoever it was. He put up an offer of 10000 And and um, at first he didn't get the deal. But later on, that same person came back and accepted the deal, but, it, but except they, they wasn't going to let him pay 10000 for the property. They wanted to charge him $10 for the property. They wanted to basically just let him buy for $10. But here is the here here is the killer, or I guess you could say here's the downside. Let me say it this way: with the property, um, being that it was being that it would be purchased through a homeowner association, he would have to pay the homeowner association fees because, of course, any property that is within a homeowner association. Uh, they have homeowner association fees tied to it. And if you don't pay those fees, then the property becomes subject again to the homeowner association or the management company that managed the homeowner association because they're the one who tagged the fees onto the property. So what he kind of suggested was if you purchase the property, uh, if you want to live on it, you still have to pay the fees. But if you don't want to live on it, if you want to, I guess you could say, uh, make a quick sale, you can come up with a contingency plan or you have to come up with a contingency plan to sell a property so that you don't get stuck into a property where you have to pay these fee, homeowner association fees. Um, however, I haven't ever heard of a homeowner association. I've only known probably one in my area, but they charge association fees of like $500. And that's according to a person that I, I, you know, went to school with who lives on an island um, predominantly settled by a lot of the business owners here in Savannah. Everybody on the island has to pay a $500 homeowner association fee. Um, But I don't know any other homeowner associations that deal with uh, no fees on their property. Um, but that was just something I wanted to bring up because I know that we do the, uh, what's it called, the Fishers of Men Home, uh, the Fishers of Men uh, Real Estate Group, and that was something that uh, m- maybe we can look into. However, you know, we still have to consider the whole n- not wanting to purchase a property that's going to have Association fees attached to it, but it was just something he threw out there because he realized that the motivated sell the motivated sellers were willing to sell these lands for dirt cheap. <laughs> but um, uh brother Lynn, what are your thoughts about that? Because I know that you're part of the uh, Fishers and Men Real Estate Group.
1: Well, I mean, I I just think it's um yeah <laughs> uh,
0: my th- th- this is my thoughts on that, brother. Because I see people taking the technology that we got passed down from our forefathers, right? You know, mm-hmm. everything that you see. With respect to civilization and how you're supposed to conduct yourself and how you um manage risk and how you uh manage property rights how you dispose of property um you know how you deal with with uh tra- trespasses and trans i mean just every anything you can think of all of that um, <clears throat> you know it's it's just a wealth of information it's a wealth it's a body of knowledge and for those that are the posterity that that's, that, that that's an inheritance to
1: mm-hmm.
0: be, being able to apply that is, you know, when you talk about a homeowners association, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? right it's like, Okay. You got, you got a little glimpse of, um, you know, the power in this, this, uh, this language of law thing and and the power in operating the private and you know writing your um, you know doing doing your creating your own legislation. It's just a glimpse of it. Um, okay. I think that I think that to a, a great degree you can look at it as sort of a practical application of uh, self-government because that's that's it, that's really what it is. It's just another. It's a a very um, detailed, very focused, very contextual um, example of self-government,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it can be expanded on in a great deal. The thing is, is that you know, I, I, I'll just say those those that are outside of this body, you know, they have a hard time expounding on that, you know, or expanding on it. So. You know, you'll you'll get a little benefit out of it, a little semblance of um, a little semblance of of benefit when you're associating yourselves under improper status, but it pales in comparison to what can be done when your status is actually corrected. So, those are my thoughts. how you okay?
2: Okay, so I well I guess I was w- kind of wondering what you thought about um as a means of I guess you could say bringing revenue to the nation um or if you guys well whenever you guys get back into the fishes of men uh real estate group uh purchasing property from an, a, a homeowner association um, which may tag uh, association fees onto the property because the motivated sellers are selling it dirt cheap. Like, what do you think of that as a way of maybe bringing some uh, income into the nation?
0: Well, I mean, so when you say bringing some income into the nation i mean so there so if you're talking about real estate, I mean you're really dealing with with two movements: one is the acquisition of the property, and then mm-hmm. is um and then the second is the 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 rent seeking activity either through um through leasing or through actually uh conveying the property to somebody else for a for a one time mm-hmm. um one-time profit. Okay. So I mean, that's pretty. You know, for the most part, it's pretty. That's pretty elementary. Okay.
2: Um,
0: it's it's, it's pretty basic. I mean, I think that. Um. I mean, me personally, I mean, you can never go wrong being. <laughs> you can never go wrong being a property holder, especially if you can acquire that property in such a way where you don't have to lean yourself up. And right. the thing, it, the thing we dealing with homeowners associations is. I think to some degree they're a little more flexible. I I think any situation where you don't necessarily have to deal with a quote unquote bank, um, you're you're in a position to do something creative to actually um acquire that property. So, I mean I would definitely be interested to learn more about what they do from um you know, what, what their long term objectives are. Are they looking for income or are 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 they property holders or are they pass throughs you you see what I'm saying I, right. I need to know a uh, a lot more about that one in particular but I think just in general if you're dealing with um you know if you're dealing with a a body with representation um I think that bodes bodes well that that that's more promising for you versus I'm um, dealing with a with, with a financial concern. You know, dealing with a with a quote unquote bank. Okay. You know, because they, they have strict underwriting and inquir- requirements, you know, I uh you know, insurance wise and um, you know, people trying to, you know, write the mortgages or what have you. I mean, that's a lot that's a lot that you to go through when you're dealing with a bank. If you're dealing with a um a you know, a good example of that is all right, say you wasn't I'm just gonna say that you're at this point you're not dealing with a um you're not dealing with an association say you're just dealing with an owner that has a um a property that has no liens and encumbrances gotcha. and being able to deal with with an individual like that number one is gonna be easier because nine times out of ten you'll be able to do some sort of creative um transaction like a like a subject to or a for sale by owner a fi, they call it a fisbo right okay, it's a for sale for sale by owner uh-huh. and basically the owner you, you you essentially draw up a um draw up a contract based on well you negotiate come to an agreement on um what is going to be the sales price of the house and then you essentially the owner uses the equity in, in the house and you pull it out for him
1: mm-hmm.
0: as a result of a series of your mortgage payments.
1: All right. There's no
0: bank involved. It's just it's just you contracting in a private. I mean that mm-hmm. is that's beautiful versus you know having to deal with these faceless public entities. So mm-hmm. looking at it from a standpoint of okay, now I'm not dealing with I'm not dealing with a um, quote-unquote flesh-and-blood living soul owner. I'm dealing with a legal entity that has a bunch of shareholders um, behind it. I mean, functionally, it should be the same thing if you're contracting for a property that is um, free and clear, no mortgage, what have you. So Mm
1: -hmm. I think
0: those um, probably would be the, the more favorable the more favorable dialogue will be with those types of individuals as opposed to just going straight retail and, you know, dealing with an agent and, you know, some mortgage company. I mean, you don't have to do all that. So, are uh, you? Yeah. yeah.
2: Thank you, brother. I think one of the things that um, I kind of was worried about when, say, for instance, we were to pursue uh, that type of venture, with purchasing a piece of property from a uh, an association um, is avoiding the association fees, <laughs> um, which I'm realizing, well, I guess I wouldn't know necessarily how would we avoid uh, something like um Association fees when it's when it is uh, uh enforced by an entity that i guess i guess that's something I need to kind of look into because I'm still not sure whether or not homeowner associations are public or private entities for the most part i don't I don't know the degree of how private that uh association is. I know that with a homeowner association, you know, you have somebody enforcing, you know, the policies and principles to maintain the value of this piece of land. You know, everybody has to follow the same rules. Everyone has to pay a fee to, you know, utilize certain facilities that's, you know, held on that, you know, particular um particular Um, association, and I was thinking to myself, you know, how would someone like, you know, say, for instance, me, uh, who is a potential investor of a piece of property in a homeowner association, going to avoid something such as a fee that's attached to land that's, you know, held in association? Um, And I'm thinking to myself, you know, is it avoidable through me being uh, a private person uh, is it avoid through me privatizing it is it a, you know i guess these are the things that i'm i guess i'm going to explore because like when i clicked on a video and i watched the guy i was just like man that does sound like a great idea his thing was he was still stuck with the with the association fees cuz he was like well if you're that type of person who doesn't want to you know have the If you're the type of person who wants to buy the property but you don't want to have to pay the association fees, then you might just want to think about how you're going to get rid of that property so that you can, you know, so you can avoid the association fees. You may run into somebody who who may want to live in the association and don't mind paying the fees. That may be cool too, but I don't know, you know, I was just thinking to myself, how many people at this time right now in this economy is willing to put themselves in uh, an association to pay those fees when many of the people right now are fighting and struggling to pay uh, property taxes. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? I don't know if many people in this uh, economy are willing to uh, switch from one set of chains to bind themselves to another. And I am um, i don't know how often you have to pay to, I think you have to pay the association fees like every year. Uh, from what I gather, I think you have to pay the association fee every year. But it's just something that I thought would make uh, – it would be great for not only just conversation, but it will be us exploring ways to, I guess you could say, generate income should we get back into the Fishes of Men real estate uh, um, initiative. Because when I heard of it, when the guy when I clicked on it and he was like, oh, well, the guy was selling, he wanted to buy it, he wanted to sell it to me for $10. I was like, cool beans. You get a piece of land for $10 and you can take the equity out and you can buy more property, but you still have to pay those uh, association fees. So that's where I was with that brother. And I figured since she was in the fishes of Men um, um, real estate group, that that will be something that you know you could share with minister Priest, um If you know if I don't, if I don't, if I don't beat you to it, nine nine times out of ten. Um, but um, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you, brother. But other than that, Come is on. there anyone Can't on the information
0: call? Yes. Sha'Allah, somebody spoke. Yeah, it was me, brother. Um, can you forward me a copy of that um or that video, a link to that video? So I, can I check sure it out. know Yes sir, I sure know will. I'll send
2: that Cynthia McKinney as well as that uh video brother. Um, I think I the
0: Cynthia, I think oh, the Cynthia McKinney one. Um, mm-hmm. I actually got that saved in my watch later because um, <laughs> okay. she she interview yeah we on the same same frequency bro because um okay she interviewed with uh with Wham World Alternative Media the the guys Josh Sigurdson I kind of follow You're him right, that because was the guy. yes that was the guy yeah. <laughs> okay yeah he okay. sometimes he he's off the wall man but a lot of the stuff that you know when, when they are talking about you know freedom and banking and everything he completely. Mm-hmm. They completely missed the boat, and that economist, so-called economist he has with him, yeah, yeah, all yeah, got a lot to learn, but sometimes <laughs> they actually have some some really good stuff, and I saw it, I just, I've been traveling, so I had not had a chance to really watch that okay. um, interview, but I, I'm going to do it in the next couple of days, because you done talked it up.
2: <laughs> Word. Okay. <laughs> okay. I yeah. didn't even know, I didn't know you knew about that, but yeah, brother, um, Yeah, that's the interview. So that really does show that yeah we are on the same wavelength. Because I, I like I said I, I followed her, uh, uh, started following her, you know, during college because she had some really interesting things to say. But um, I'll send you that, and I will send you the video of the guy. I can't remember what the brother's name was, but um, I'm assuming he obviously is a real estate investor. So Mm -hmm. I'll send that to you too. And you can look over it. I don't think that video is longer than maybe 16 minutes. It's a short video. So okay. both of those videos are short. So you should be able to
0: watch them, brother. Gotcha. And the uh, other thing I wanted to say with those homeowners, um homeowner association, the only thing I, I'll say about that is, one, um, when you look at stuff like that, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I'm just giving you a different perspective. Mm-hmm. When you looking at that, when you looking at that kind of stuff, don't look at it from the perspective of, well, I don't want to pay the homeowners um, association fees because a lot of times you see retail investors that get into um, these various mortgages or get into these communities that actually have associations and they also mm-hmm. complain about the about the um, association fees. And my thing is, if you think about it, especially. If you think about it, especially with us in this nation, your monthly dues are an association fee.
1: That so the true. thing
0: is, is the thing is, is okay. Should you have a mind state to where you don't want to pay your 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 nationality uh, association fees because it's, right. because what you have to do is you have to not you have to balance the fee against the benefit that you're receiving. That makes and, sense. And, You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and if the benefit that you're receiving um, is in excess of the fee, then why wouldn't you pay it?
2: That's true. That's so, true.
0: Well, he, well, here's the thing,
2: and the reason why, and here, well, let me say it this way, because I understand the general, uh, the general idea of what you're saying, because you're speaking, as, you're speaking as someone who's actually enjoying the benefits, but. Considering what I was talking about, when you're talking about uh, someone who's just investing in just that piece of property who may not necessarily live on the land, they may not want to pay the uh, association fee because, they, of course, they're just buying the land. They don't want to live there, and they uh, may just want to take the land, Extract the equity from it and then sell it, or take the land and then sell it so that they can get the money in return and let someone else, who may or may not want to pay those fees, get that land. So I understand right. exactly what you mean because, again, why would you not want to pay your? Why would you not want to pay a fee for, uh, for being a part of a community that has other things or, or on that piece of land that you can actually use outside of your home? So, I agree with right. that hundred percent and i and it also speaks to this. You also don't have to worry about the value of your home going down, so I definitely agree with that because if you live in a homeowner association and everybody's houses looks nice, and your house looks nice, and they're paying you pay to maintain that area then you have done yourself a great service because you know that you're in an area where the property value can only go up if everybody's uh, home looks nice or is um, uh, principled a certain way. So I, I agree 100% with you. But, I wanted, but do you understand what I was saying as a person who is not necessarily looking to live on the land? They may just want to extract equity from it. Now does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does make sense, but the thing okay. is, is being being an investor. Okay, that cost is a term and condition of that private agreement. Most homeowners associations are private agreements, so you got one or two options. If you're going to, in in your example, if you're going to basically be a a, a hulk from the standpoint right. of just uh, extracting revenue, then that means that part of your Fixed expenses during mm-hmm. the time in which you're striking that revenue, you gotta pay that. Or okay. If you're or if you're seeking a rent, you just do what a what a typical retailer does. You pass the that cost on to the ultimate consumer, the ultimate so in consumer. Right. The per- You see what I'm saying? Point. Yes, sir.
2: Yeah. You can yeah. because you can lease the land to someone. You can lease the property to someone. You can have them just basically pay the fees while you collect the rent. Right. pay while you p- collect the rent, and they, you know pay the fees. So I, I that, that exactly. makes sense. And you know what? I exactly. didn't even consider that. But, again, that's all about uh, – that's all a part of creating a contingency strategy because at the end of the day, you know, if you are not the type of person who wants to pay the fees, you still have to figure out a way to get those fees off of you if and still be able to enjoy the use of the land, so to speak. Yeah. You need to find your bond service. Yep. <laughs> Hey, I agree. <laughs> and it makes And, okay, and so you know what? That goes back to what I was saying earlier, and you basically already answered it because I had asked, how would I be able to, if I was a person who wanted to uh, say if I was in the status of uh, tax exempt, so to speak, and I wanted to not pay those fees, of course you said that that's uh. Homeowner associations operate operate under private agreement. So there is no way necessi- there isn't any way outside of my status to or using my status to avoid paying the fees except to uh put a bond servant in there and collect the rent and you know uh allow them to pay the fee or um, um basically pay the fee while you're extracting the equity from it. So those are the two remedies and and it makes perfect sense um, exactly cause, cause,
0: I mean the the thing is is ultimately in the private you can't you, you can't avoid um t- taxation is a is a means to raise ah, da, 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 da. taxation is a means to raise public revenue if true. you are operating in the private, you're not dealing with taxation you you're dealing with your capacity to contract. And you can't discharge those debts because you're in the private. You discharge. Right. You can discharge public debt, but if you enter into a contract with another flesh and blood living soul, you are, word is bond. You got to pay that debt. That's true. That's so, true.
2: So now I know. Yeah. And 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 I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I know that it was just deeper than what was in the video. But again, mm-hmm. this goes to. Uh, this speaks to the nature of contracting and the nature of understanding service and bond uh, uh, bond service. um, I don't want to say it this way, but masters, so to speak, or uh, employers. This speaks to the relationships of that because I know that many people will enter into like uh, housing agreements and not understand why their landlords would enforce certain types of principles or uh, do certain different things and you know they'll cry about it, but not understanding that that is the way that it was set up and I think I spoke on this last week, maybe where uh, a white couple had moved into a homeowner association or was kind they they said that they were disgusted, so to speak, because when they read the agreement, the agreement stated that they would not lease to uh quote unquote African Americans because they felt that African Americans would bring down. They would decry the value of the property, so uh I said to myself, "There's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day you know it's uh they're operating under a private agreement, but I think that for the white people who were living in that who moved into that area, they're not so used to someone being upfront uh about pro- uh, they're not used to someone expressing their private interest up front so I'm thinking to myself, well, cool, because then when I do it, you know, and I'm not saying I'm doing it just to be vindictive. I'm doing it because that's business. You understand what I'm saying? Especially if I'm a private owner of a piece of property that, you know, is private. So, you know, know, this conversation speaks to a lot of – it touched on a lot of different things, and I'm glad that we are in a mindset where we – can look at things rationally and start, instead of just being emotional about uh, a lot of the things that take place because, you know, we the society has conditioned us to be weak in the fact that we respond emotional to things that should be assessed in a way where it's like, okay, well, you know you have the right to do that as well. You just have to be able to possess some property and enforce those rights. But if you don't have any property or if you don't have any rights, then, you know, you have to, in terms of understanding private right, let me say it that way, understanding privilege, you have to basically go with the flow. You have to go with the status quo. So I'm starting to understand now how uh, public and private uh, business is to be handled. And – um I was uh, reading some uh, reviews on a homeowner association website, and I saw all of these white people on there who were just like, homeowner associations are a scam. They just want to basically scam people out of their money for things that I could just enjoy. If I wasn't in a homeowner association, they will not get into my money. And I was thinking of myself, but, you know, one thing you can also say is at least you live around your own people. And number two, at least your property will be up to some. It will be, if you intend to sell at one point, at least you will have some type of value on your property because it will it'll be maintained and you'd have paid for it. So it doesn't, uh, altogether, it doesn't, you know, um, uh, Work any ill against you because again, you your property is still maintained, and as a seller, you'll still be able to get some you know type of money off of property that's valued based on the area that it's in. Whereas, in if you live, you know, if you're single, if you're a, a person living outside of a homeowner association, and you know you live, I guess you can say in an area where there's high crime and uh, the value is very low, the chances of you selling it may not necessarily be as high as a person who lives in a homeowner association because their homes look nice, and the value is high. Um, But these are the things that I'm thinking about while I'm assessing this. So I'm glad I brought the conversation up, and I will send you those videos um, because they're very important. But um, is there anybody else here? Take
1: your name, phone on the record. Jesus,
2: I cannot believe that we're only two brothers on this Latin night. That's crazy, but um, if there's if you don't have anything else to say, brother, um, minister, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, uh maybe adjourn for this evening. Because um, I, I kind of necessarily didn't come as prepared for, uh, for the night, but nonetheless, I wanted to at least uh, kill some of the dead air. <laughs> uh, there was a lot <laughs> of it before you came, but um, I at least wanted to share my thoughts on the record as well for future um, for future references. Oh, okay, hold on for a minute. Brother. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> Hold on, brother Minister uh Minister uh um uh, Lynn.
2: I don't. Art uh, uh, Robert is on the line, but he's saying that he can't necessarily speak. But here's what I wanted to do because I'm glad you're here, or I'm glad you're here, but I'm sorry you can't speak. What I wanted to do, brother, is kind of ask you what your thoughts were about the uh, about the discussion. But I guess I can I can't. I guess I can wait till next week because I I didn't realize you were on, but you couldn't speak, brother. But um. If you if you heard me just text
1: me. Oh, by the way, brother um
2: Lynn, we um I myself and um uh some of the um, brothers and sisters. Oh, okay, um, Minister Lynn, uh, uh Robert wanted me to uh, know that since it's just me and you, uh, since I called for an adjournment, are you cool with that? Because I didn't necessarily. Oh, yeah. have... okay, cause I didn't have That's... anything necess- necessarily anything else to say. I was, you know, trying to make sure that we have something flowing on the record. But okay. Oh,
0: yes, sir. That's fine.
2: Okay. Well, uh, Robert, I'm going to adjourn for the rest of this evening, but I'm, I still wanted to hear your thoughts about it later, um, maybe next week or so, because um, I know that we deal with real estate in this group. And um, I'll send you the video that I'm going to send Minister Lynn so that you can understand the nature of what we were talking about, because it was that was a great conversation. And Brother Lynn gave some some very good insight um, about the homeowner associations and uh, the rights thereof, and I just kind of wanted your intake. And I wish our Brother Hakeem was on as well because I wanted to see what he had to say about it, but um, since we don't have anyone else here who can speak, I will go ahead and call for an adjournment. It is now uh 31 minutes after 9 p.m. uh eastern uh 8:31 central. I'll see you guys back here next week. Uh Tuesday. Shalom, shalom, and I love you brothers dearly. Shalom. Shalom, shalom. Oh,
1: snap.